friends, welcome to Self-Care and Soul Care for the Caregiver. I am Lauren Crow, one of your co-hosts, and I'm so grateful to be spending a few minutes with you today. This community of caregivers is so life-giving to me, and I adore being able to connect with you in this way. So, wherever you are listening today, I pray this episode is encouraging to you and meets you right where you are in your caregiving journey. This is episode 84, and in this episode, I am going to share something that I actually did not originally plan on sharing. In fact, I did not know if I would ever really discuss this in-depth publicly, but definitely not this soon. However, I have felt this gnawing at my heart that I am not alone in this, and I desire for you, if you are walking through this or may in the future, to know that you are not alone too. And perhaps for some, this will put language around something you have not been able to exactly pinpoint yet and be a helpful companion in processing it. Today, I am sharing my experience with caregiver burnout and how I am recovering from it. Now, I do not use the term caregiver burnout lightly, just like I would not use a term like autism lightly. There is a huge difference between stressed out and anxious, which is difficult enough, and caregiver burnout. In order to prevent this episode from being very long, I'm only going to give a snapshot or an overview of what led up to my caregiving burnout and what that looked like for me, and what the recovery process has looked like so far. It is important to note I'm not giving medical advice, nor is my information coming from scholarly sources. What I share today is purely my life experience. I desire to share this more vulnerable episode with you, friends, to provide a safe space for you to process emotions and to feel seen and know that you are not alone in how hard caregiving can be since this topic of caregiver burnout is not discussed nearly enough. Okay, so let's dive in. From the fall of 2010 through the beginning of 2021 marked a decade of the hardest years of my life. Each year within this decade was filled to the brim with loss, grief, and trauma. Not one year went by without tremendous difficulty. In the midst of this decade is when my husband and I became parents. We lost a child. We waited through the NICU. We each lost a parent. Both went through career transitions. We navigated eight diagnoses between our two oldest children who were born a year apart from one another. Our youngest was born with a heart defect and multiple moves, one which was interstate. That's just to name a few of the highlights of what happened in that decade. In fact, last year for our 15th wedding anniversary, we watched our wedding video and realized that 15 people that were present at our wedding were deceased by our 15th wedding anniversary. That was some sort of bizarre perspective. I give that small snapshot because when the hardest years of caregiving for my middle son Barrett, 
who is diagnosed with level 3 autism and an intellectual disability, happened in 2018 to 2020, that was coming off of all of those things I just shared. Without having a season or even a moment of respite to recover. And that's important to note because my body was obviously already running off of fumes, (laughs) off of adrenaline only. I knew I was stressed and anxious, but I did not realize I was running off of only adrenaline for years. And I did not understand that I was dealing with severe anxiety, probably since postpartum with my first son. In this season of 2018, to 2020 is when my anxiety peaked all the more. It was during these couple of years that my son Barrett was in pain, but I did not know it. He's nonverbal, so he couldn't tell me. I knew something was wrong though, so I became like my favorite childhood detective, Nancy Drew, and desperately tried to solve this mystery for years. Doctor after doctor, therapist after therapist, researching and reading everything I could, trying so many different medications and resources I could find to see if it would help him, and nothing worked. He just kept getting worse. During these three years, Barrett never slept for more than two hours at night. So my husband and I experienced a state of exhaustion that is not even comparable to the newborn stage. Barrett had gone from my sweet, snuggly, and silly little boy who had a ton of energy to an aggressive, aggravated, screaming, insomniac boy. I was grieved. The emotional distress this caused me is hard to find the right words to describe. Doctors would tell me, hey, this is just what autism looks like. But I knew that was not the case for my son. This is not his baseline. I knew something was very wrong. One thing I was able to figure out through so much research on my own and work on was the sensory texture issues with food he had. So every day I worked with him at every meal and snack to increase the foods he would eat through the 32-step SOS protocol. That friends, was a beast that would end up producing wonderful fruit in his life years later, like today. But we spent so much money on food during this time, like as much or more than a rent or house payment. And most of it was unintentionally wasted because he would throw it on the floor, throw it in the trash, or throw it up. The progress was so slow, but I knew I had to keep at it. In the fall and winter of 2019, the stress was weighing so heavy on me, I broke out from head to toe in psoriasis for the first time in my life. I will probably share a picture of this on my social media account this week. I did not take the time, nor did I want to spend the resources on seeing a doctor, so I self-treated. It took about three to four months for it to go completely away, And boy, it was so uncomfortably itchy. I hid it all well, so only a few family members even knew about it. By the time March 2020 hit, COVID time, and Barrett had to come home full-time from school due to it, he only wanted to eat ice and chips. Things were getting way worse, even though I had implemented and tried so hard with so many other things. Anything else, 
I did induced a major meltdown that would last days, sometimes weeks at a time. It is important to note that him attending school before COVID hit was extremely stressful in itself. I had to stay close in proximity to his school because without a doubt, I had to pick him up early for behavioral issues almost every single day. This caused me major anxiety too because I did not want my son going through this and my days were so unpredictable. In May 2020, two months after COVID started, my brother, who had spinal bifida myelomeningocele, passed away. This is something that deserves its own episode sometime, so I won't go into the details in this episode except to say I was living through another nightmare and it was excruciating. The day after my brother's funeral, it was obvious there was something severely wrong with our son Barrett. He looked like his body was withering away and he wasn't even acting close, close to his normal self. In my utter desperation and grief, the Holy Spirit gave me discernment that morning to call a gastroenterologist that we had briefly worked with a year or so before. I called and explained what was going on and the different symptoms that he was having. And through the next three months, we worked through strict medicinal protocol while waiting for his endoscopy procedure that would give us the insight we needed. Then after the endoscopy a few months later, we decided to keep Barrett out of school because the healing that needed to happen in his body would take at least a year of full-time caregiving to make happen. His condition was so severe that a G-tube was discussed. It was a very stressful time. And if you have a child with autism, the thought of um, them having a G-tube was hard to process because we knew that he wouldn't keep it in. So talking about the G-tube with the doctor was a really hard day for us because we were unsure what option would actually help Barrett and not hurt Barrett. Then at the very beginning of November, 2020, two months into Barrett's healing journey, I got COVID. I have asthma and on top of the dire state of stress in my body, (laughs) COVID almost took me out. I had to fight for my life, truly. I have never been that sick before. I had double pneumonia, pleurisy, and I went to the hospital three times for low oxygen and a possible pulmonary embolism. Around Christmas, about two months after I had COVID, I started to feel much better. So in January 2021, after the holidays were over, my husband, we thought, was able to return to work at his office since I was doing so much better. Well, two weeks into continuing Barrett's caregiving regimen and trying to homeschool my children because of COVID, my body finally collapsed. I was on the floor in my children's bathroom with heart attack symptoms as my husband rushed home from work. My heart rate was over 200, and my chest and arm were in pain, and I went to the emergency room once again. I would be bedridden for the next two months, saw many specialists and doctors, underwent every test and procedure you could think of, and tried different medications that didn't produce great side effects. (laughs) At first, specialists were saying that COVID was the primary cause of this heart issue. 
although it would not be until the fall of 2021 that a doctor would tell me that, quote, COVID was the final straw that took out your heart, but it was not the primary reason, end quote. Caregiver burnout was the primary reason. Through all that I have shared so far, I know it's a lot, friend. (laughs) I have not even touched truly on the emotional and mental state of my soul throughout this time. I lost myself. I did not feel like myself. I felt detached from myself in order to just survive. I was in survival mode only. The anxiety I dealt with felt like such a normal companion that I did not know that's what it actually was or that you could live without feeling that way. The medications that I got on last year for my heart, plus the bed rest and the continued slow physical recovery, made me gain the same amount of weight I did with my pregnancies. And that was hard at first because not only was I not able to do the cycling and running I enjoyed, and that was the only stress reliever I had, (laughs) now my body did not resemble myself, and I had to work through that, just to be honest. For the first time in my life, I went on medication last year to treat anxiety. About three months into that treatment, I felt hope again. It had been so long since I truly felt hope. It's hard to explain, but it felt like the sun began to break through this dark, stormy cloud that had followed me for a decade. I started to feel like my old self again in good ways. (laughs) This medicine gave me the capacity I needed to make other appointments for myself that would lead me to discover caregiver burnout also caused deeper medical issues that I have just begun treating. I also have been able to start weaning off this anxiety medication. Here are the things I could control that I did to invest in myself that have helped me throughout the recovery process. I prioritized my health in a new way. I made the appointments, but I actually went to the appointments and I actually filled and picked up and took the medications. I returned to school, something I've wanted to do for years. I started teaching in any capacity I was given. I'm a teacher at heart, and exercising this gifting is life-giving, not life-draining to my soul. I took the anxiety medication for a short period to give my soul a deeper level of respite it needed. It had to have this break, or I really could have lost my life. I prioritized a family vacation, and it was the first one we have ever been on last July, And it was unbelievably wonderful for us. And finally, instead of trying to knock off another thing on my to-do list, when I was given any moment of time alone, I laid down, like physically laid down and rested, even if it was only for 45 seconds. (laughs) I prioritized a Sabbath within my days in small ways like that, Versus thinking I would have to wait and try to have an entire Sabbath day like a typical family. Now, most importantly, I want to share the things that God did for me in my desperate condition that I could not have. This is His power showing up in my weakness. 
His goodness and grace are everything in this journey. First, he turned the COVID-induced school break (laughs) of 2020, which should have slowed down my son's progress, into a season of healing and experiencing more development than he had experienced in four years. God brought multiple life-giving friendships into my life last year that I had begged him for for many years. These relationships have given me one of the greatest gifts of all, a safe and godly space to share my vulnerable self. God allowed my husband a job that um, let him work from home during that time I was so sick so that I could have the help I needed and more time to physically recover. He answered a prayer in providing an ABA clinic that actually took our insurance and this clinic covers the cost that our insurance won't cover. And in addition to that, the BCBA at this clinic that is directly overseeing my son's care is a divine answer to prayer that I could go on and on about. Um, Like this BCBA is coming to my son's next ARD meeting and he has become a huge advocate in Barrett's life. ABA has been the biggest gift of respite and help to our family this past year. God also provided a speech provider that is wonderful. She taught my son how to communicate with an AAC device successfully after many other um, therapists and even me and my husband could not help him learn how to use it. She actually did. And what's really wonderful is she is located in the same parking lot as my son's ABA clinic. So they just walk him across to his sessions for me and took that off my plate. God also brought the perfect part-time job in my life that maybe I'll discuss in more depth later that is surrounded by wonderful people and most importantly is very life-giving to me. God brought this opportunity to podcast with the one and only Sandra Peoples. What a gift, Sandra, you and this space have been to me, friends. And God gave us a new home with everything we prayed for, including neighbors that are godsends. In the worst condition that I was in, in some of the most stressful times of my life, I received and my family received God's power and his blessings in ways that we could not have arranged. See, this was not an episode about how to prevent caregiver burnout, because honestly, in my case, with the deeper circumstances surrounding my life, it was not possible to prevent it. And I feel like a prevention episode would bring shame, like we have done something wrong when in fact we haven't. We have done what was necessary for our children. And we have reached out to God continually for his help. There is nothing wrong with either of those things. I look back and I do not regret how much I invested in my son's flourishing. Because now he is back to his sweet, silly, snuggly self and eating real foods. The fruit from me sowing in tears is now here. And it is time for me to fully recover. Seasons come and seasons go. Seasons are not intended to last forever. Also, this episode was not to provide a how-to guide on how to recover from caregiver burnout because each person's plan must be customized for them and God is the ultimate denominator in it all. 
My goal was to share my experience so that you don't feel alone if you have or are currently walking through something similar. Also, I wanted to put language around caregiver burnout because it is not talked about enough. It's not about preventing burnout because the brokenness of this world is going to touch us in some way. No one is immune from it, but it is about stewarding our suffering with Jesus. It's about walking through the fire and the deep waters with Jesus, and it's about walking through the recovery process with Jesus. Through my journey of caregiving burnout, I have experienced more than ever before the promise of 2 Corinthians 12, 9. God's power be made perfect through my utter weakness. I learned through my experience I shared with you here that God has a trustworthy track record. In the good times, in the hard times, he does not change. We have the opportunity as caregivers to experience the nearness and power of God in a way that other people do not. Did we want to sign ourselves up for this journey? No, (laughs) but I shocked myself a few months ago when in response to a new acquaintance, I said, quote, autism is the best thing that has ever happened to me, end quote. I know. After I have shared what I have with you today, you probably think, what on earth is wrong with her? (laughs) But it is true. Suffering has refined me and made me more like Jesus. Suffering has ushered me closer to the heart of God. Autism has taught me more about the kingdom of God than anything else. I learned that God truly does sustain. He truly has a trustworthy track record. As we end this episode, friend, I'm going to pray a portion of Psalm 107 in the message version over us. May your heart receive these words today. Oh, thank God. He's so good. His love never runs out. All of you set free by God, tell the world. Tell how he freed you from oppression, then rounded you up from all over the place, from the four winds, from the seven seas. Some of you wandered for years in the desert, looking but not finding a good place to live. Half starved and parched with thirst, staggering and stumbling on the brink of exhaustion. Then in your desperate condition, you called out to God. He got you out in the nick of time. He put your feet on a wonderful road that took you straight to a good place to live. So thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. He poured great drafts of water down parched throats. The starved and hungry got plenty to eat. If you are really wise, you'll think this over. It's time you appreciated God's deep love. Amen. That was Psalm 107, 1 through 9, and verse 43. Oh, my friend, this was a more personal, vulnerable episode than I've ever done before. But I hope you feel seen, loved, and encouraged through it today. Now, real quick, before we go our separate ways, I want to tell you that I'm so grateful you spent this time with me. And next week, both Sandra and I will be back for another genuine conversation together. In the meantime, make sure you connect with us through the Abiding Caregiver Facebook group. The link to join is in the show notes. See you next week, friends.